Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. It's Friday. It's Jeff Duncan Day. We're going to talk about the Saints. Jeff got hung up on a call, uh, actually about his Steve Gleason book, but we'll be joining him in the second half of the show. I've got a very special guest for the first part of the show, and uh, let me set it up first, and then we'll move on to my guest. You may remember, if you're a regular listener, about two months ago, uh, I shared uh, something about a, a scary heart condition that I have. And here's what happened. About about three months ago, <clears throat> I had a 17-hour atrial fibrillation uh, event while I was actually on vacation in Destin. Most people call it AFib, if you've heard that phrase before. Um, it is one of the top two chambers. It's when the top two chambers of your heart sort of quiver like, like it's having a seizure. And obviously, that's not normal at all. Uh, the whole... Ordeal scared me, of course, but also scared the heck out of my family. And it was just another reminder of why we need to live in the moment, something I talk about here on Coast View all the time, especially considering that in in the past year, almost a year ago, literally this week, uh, I had to do mouth-to-mouth on my own granddaughter, Mila. And, uh, you know, the, the good news is she's still doing extraordinarily well, and she's really a blessing to my family. But again, you know, living in the moment and appreciating those around you. While in Destin, here's essentially what happened. I had some what is called premature atrial contractions in my heart. This is when you have extra beats, and you can actually feel them in your chest. I contracted these what are called PATs after I had uh, had COVID or the Pfizer shot. Um, what are what are typical PATs though turned into my heart literally racing out of control? And as a former paramedic, I, I was uh, I was amazed I was actually still conscious. I, I wear a Fitbit watch, which is um, which is something I've worn for several years to track my fitness, and it told the story. My heart was beating between 150 and 200 beats a minute. Uh, and dial 911, and uh, I was, uh, you know, obviously very quickly learned that I was in atrial fibrillation, which is what is called a with what is called a supraventricular response. Uh, I was admitted into the ICU unit, a uh, step-down unit of, at Miramar Beach Hospital, and they gave me some drugs to kind of slow my heartbeat down, and they gave us gave me a lot of tests, as you can imagine. We were scheduled to have a cardio version the next morning, and what is also called a TEE. For people who have had atrial fib, you know the TEE is essentially a transesophageal echocardiogram. And uh, we were going to do that at 7 o'clock the next morning. They do the TEE, incidentally, to just make sure that you don't have a clot in your heart. That's actually one of the biggest issues with AFib. But by midnight, the, the 17 hours of AFib finally converted back to a normal sinus rhythm. But in the process, my heart stopped for about seven seconds, something I'm told is not super unusual, but obviously it's still scary. And there were a lot of lot flashing lights and lots of alarms, and a great ICU team helped me understand what was really going on. Uh, my cardiologist over in Florida, Dr. Ryan Melvin, referred to what I had as the weed of cardiology. That sometimes it's really hard to kind of get to the bottom of it. And doctors, I mean, it's the, it's the leading um, arrhythmia that 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 we have to have to deal with across, you know, maybe around the world for that matter. 
Um, the kick, the COVID kick it off. Did the shot kick it off? Did, was it a genetic thing? I, I don't think we'll ever really know for sure. But the good news is now I've got it under control, at least for the time being. And I've got a great local cardiologist team and Dr. Paul Mullins and his uh, incredible physician's assistant, Kelsey Park Seymour, who incidentally I've known since she was a baby. Her parents and her family were our next door neighbor before we started having kids, my, my wife Ann and I. Um, Paul, uh, Dr. Mullins and, and Kelsey are both with Coast Cardiovascular Associates and they're affiliated with Memorial Hospital at Gulfport. So like I said, I'm off to a good start. But when I talked about this a month or so ago, I heard from a lot of people, a lot of people who have dealt with AFib. Some were stuck in AFib still. It was really interesting. And they were kind of living on uh, heart thinners and were very interested in learning more. And uh, I, I decided to do a show, a Coach View show dedicated to AFib, my, my, my situation and health, heart health in general. So I've invited my cardiologist, Dr. Paul Mullins, to join me on Coach View this morning. So without any further ado, let me welcome my friend and my cardiologist, Dr. Paul Mullins, to Coast View. How are you doing, Dr. Mullins? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to see, great to see you. How are things going for you just in general? Uh, things are going well. We're, we're busy. There's no shortage of heart disease in the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, uh yeah, there's there, there's a lot more we can we're going to focus on as we have this conversation. You know, I was really interested to learn about you that that you actually were born in San Antonio, Texas. You went to school in Maryland, um, and then you 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 were affiliated with the Air Force and and actually did some time at Keesler in a leadership role there. And you've done some teaching along the way. Um, that was a you, it was an interesting journey that brought you to Coastal Mississippi. Tell me more about that. Well, I, I went through uh, medical school on what's called an HPSP scholarship. And uh, at the uh, after I finished my training, I, I owed the Air Force four years. And um, I actually didn't know Mississippi had a coast. Um, and the cardiologists that were here um, told me that uh, I needed to come visit them if I wanted to be at an institution that had uh, uh, interventional cardiology. So I came down, visited, loved the area, uh, decided to, to come here to fulfill my commitment. And uh, at the end of my commitment, I, I decided that I was going to get out and had planned to go back to Baltimore. But Baltimore has cardiologists on every street corner. I mean, there's fellows graduating for Hopkins and, and from the University of Maryland. So. I enjoyed the people down here, the warm weather, and when I looked in the southeast, the opportunity here was as good as any place else that I, I visited, so I decided to stay. Yeah, like I mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, I've had the opportunity to meet and talk to some of the some of the doctors, not just cardiologists, coming out of Keesler, but that's been a real good uh, you know feeding artery of doctors coming out of Keesler, hasn't it? It has, and I think uh, quite a number um, like living here uh, and decide to stay. I, when I left the Air Force, uh, I think there were probably four four people that stayed uh, that I knew very well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so interesting. In that way, we're actually lucky that that Keesler's there, and uh, again, some really really good doctors coming out there, coming coming into medical facilities all across coastal Mississippi. So uh, you, you heard how we started the show. Uh, you know my story well. Um, you know we can we can. I've, I've I've used it as a as a learning moment for others. 
but you know it's been so far so good with me. But AFib is a is something that you deal with on a daily basis, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I must see a, a patient or two daily, and statistically, um, you know, four percent of the population have AFib over the age of sixty. Wow, it's, it's very common. It's also dangerous if you don't address it. Talk to us more about what, you know, tell us you know, what causes it, what's actually happening, and why is it really, really important to get to the bottom of it? Well, uh, it's an electrical disturbance and has multiple causes, including pulmonary embolism, coronary tension, um, hyperthyroidism. Um, it's important because it, it increases morbidity and mortality predominantly through uh, uh, peripheral and cerebral emboli and uh, worsening heart failure. And it, it increases uh, all-cause mortality for both men and women. Yeah, so you know, as you and I have discussed and as I've learned, as I've studied this, some atrial fib comes from underlying heart disease, and some AFib happens. It's just an electrical problem. Um, do they really have a you know? They really have a good understanding of of why you have AFib if you don't have underlying heart disease. No, and there's a group that have what's called idiopathic. They have it for no apparent reason. Um, yeah. So, so one of the things that you and I have talked about is that since COVID, you've seen a rise in these kinds of conditions. Uh, seen, ha, ha, talk, talk to me about that. Well, I've seen multiple patients uh, subsequent to either COVID infection or the vaccine that either have recurrent AFib or have new onset AFib. And I would assume by now, and of course, you can do a search on this and you see it popping up all over the place. I wish I had an understanding of whether it was, you know, me contracting COVID or me getting the shot that caused it. We'll, we'll never really know for sure, will we? No, but I think that you're in a low risk group for having a recurrence. Yeah, I'm 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 pleased by that. Uh, in fact, we visited. I, I visited with uh, Dr. Mullen recently, and after being on uh, flacodine, am I saying that correctly? That's correct. Uh, flacodine, which is an anti-arrhythmia drug, is supposed to help your heart stay in uh, a regular sinus rhythm. Um, I've been on it for six months. He actually thought it might, might be a good idea to take me off and just see how I do. I decided, well, let's, let's wait a little bit longer because I haven't had any issues. And, you know, the, the event for me was so scary. Um, the thought of having another event is also very scary, and I've done so well. So when we get on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll see you with Dr. Paul Mullen in just a second. Watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. You know, when you think about having heart trouble, <laughs> it's it's always scary. And uh, Dr. Paul Mullins, who's joining us today, has seen heart issues of all kinds. He's a he's an excellent cardiologist. In fact, he's seen many of my friends, and he's got a, he's got a terrific reputation. He's certainly done well by me. But we'll continue with sort of the theme that you and I were on just before we went to break, and that is simply my case. That and you know I had said that uh, we we had had six months of of flacodine and have done really well. Um, I'm going to be on it for probably at least another six months. More my choosing than yours, and then we'll probably take me off of it and just see how I do. Um, hopefully, you know, given you know, overall heart health, the fact that I've worked so hard to stay in shape, and you you know my routine. Um, that you know, there is no underlying issue here and that you know, it was just more or less one of those things and that hopefully I won't have to deal with it again. But as my doctor and, and Dustin said, it could be the weed. It could be a weed that that's hard to get rid of. How do you know? How do you know when it is just, just based on experience? How do you know when it's going to be a weed or when it, maybe it's just a one-time occurrence? Well, if the patient has some underlying uh, process that could be contributing to it, for instance, um, a large hypertension, and then you get a large left atrium, that's likely to have recurrence, uh, unhealthy alcohol use. Um, those things tend to make it recur. Yeah, I have uh, read a lot about that, incidentally, as it relates to alcohol. Uh, AFib in particular is super hypersensitive to alcohol use. And like uh, I give you, I've talked to a bunch of different people, but one in particular has fought AFib his whole life. He's been ablated a bunch of times and, um, but he never stopped drinking. He just, you know, he just never stopped drinking, but he drinks more than he should drink. And, you know, I thought to myself, based on what I've read, sometimes just getting off the alcohol, which might be a major stimulant, can actually correct the situation in some cases, can it? Yeah, absolutely. I talked I talked to another. Were you going to say something? I'm sorry. No. I, yeah. Well, well, I talked to a guy who told me, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, who's been in AFib. He's been he's had several cardioversions. They haven't worked. He's literally living on blood thinners. And, uh, and I said, man, there's so much more that can be done. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know anything about your case, but just based on what I've read and what I've been told, you know, ablation, there's, there's, there, there, are, there are choices for you. You know, he was talking about how tired he was and, you know, he just, just wants to lay around. I said, man, you better get this thing fixed because, you know, the last thing you want to do is just lay around. You, you, need, you, know, you need to move. But talk more about that, of the choices and the process involved in that. Well, there's multiple choices depending on what kind of atrial fib you have. If you have paroxysmal atrial fib or persistent AFib or long-standing persistent AFib or, or permanent AFib, uh, typically uh, the real issue with having AFib is the risk of stroke. And so the two things you have to do initially is you have to get rate control, like in your case, and then uh, if the patients are at high risk for an emboli, you have to have anticoagulation. And frequently, when you, after you get rate control and you're trying to maintain normal rhythm, you try uh, an antiarrhythmic drug. If it persists or recurs after an antiarrhythmic drug, then you have to decide how symptomatic the patient is. If they're terribly symptomatic, uh, that would uh, warrant 
doing a percutaneous ablation through a, a catheter that goes in the, uh, the groin and they ablate around the pulmonary veins. And that has a, a, a variable success rate depending on, on about how much structural heart disease you have. And then there's also surgical ablation that is generally carried out at the time of uh, bypass surgery. So in the, in the case of, like, if you think about a normal electrocardiography, if you think about the normal heartbeat, there's this, the, the, the thing that starts to beat is the SA node or the sinoatrial node, and it travels on down to the AV node and then to eventually to the bundle of his, and you have this, it's just an electrical impulse that goes to your heart and causes right. a contraction. With, with atrial fibrillation, the SA node's not acting properly. And when you go in with ablation, you're literally, are you trying to literally figure out where that, that, that bad or the ectopic or whatever you guys call it, heartbeat's coming from? Yeah, that's generally around the pulmonary veins, and that's why they ablate in that region. Yeah, wow. So um, what's interesting to me is when this guy told me, and you helped me understand this, by the way, but you, he you, told me that he was living with it. knowledge of it, so you must have been doing your homework. Well, I was a, in paramedic school. I had a couple of semesters of electrocardiography, so it just I just remember it, you know. But... But the thing is, though, this guy that called me and told me that he was having, that he was living with it, I said, man, how are you living with it? Because my experience was, there's no way you can live with what I was experiencing. I mean, so differentiate between, uh, a, a, some people have atrial fib and don't even know it. That's and correct. someone in my situation where my heart was beating, like, dramatically, you know, 200 beats a minute about to beat out of my chest. What's, what's the difference? Well, it, it depends. He may have been on drugs to prevent it from beating out of his chest, or he may have some underlying electrical problems in addition to the AFib. Um, if he's doing well without symptoms, then his longevity, as long as he's anticoagulated and rate control, is just as good as the patient who has rhythm control. Yeah. So in my case, I had is what I call a supraventricular response. Well, you had a rapid uh, ventricular response. Yeah, right. What is that? That's just meaning a heart rate. Generally, if you have AFib, you're going to have a heart rate. If you're not on any drugs that block at the AV node, you'll have a heart rate of 150 to 180. Yeah. Well, scary thing. And then, of course, I, I mentioned about stopping for seven seconds. It's scary to say it, but it's it's relatively normal, isn't it? It's it's not unusual. It's like the, the rapid ventricular response kind of... Uh, ends up suppressing um, the AV node. And when it the AFib stops, it kind of takes a second or two to wake back up. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the doctor in, in Destin told me that he's had some that have gone 30, 40 seconds. I don't think I've had any that long, but it's not unusual for it to be several seconds. He calls it the pucker factor. When it goes that long. Um, so, you know, bottom line is that in my case, it's not, it's not related to underlying coronary disease, but, 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 the, but the message that you give people all of the time is that cardiac, the way to avoid this generally is just be focused on cardiac health. And what's your, what's your spill that you give to people on a regular basis about that? Um, are, you, are you talking about coronary disease? Or? No, you had to take care of your heart. Uh, usually I tell them get their blood pressure under good control. If they're diabetic, get their diabetes under good control. 
If they have uh, risk factors for coronary disease, they get their uh, LDL cholesterol to less than 60. Um, if they experience any symptoms out of the ordinary chest pain, shortness of breath, to come see me uh, as soon as they can so that we can do further testing. So, um, you know, what I've found about you is you develop you develop good relationships with your, cust- with your customers, with your patients. Listen to how I said that. But... Um, but you care you care about what you do and you have a passion for what you do, don't you? I certainly do. Otherwise and, uh, go ahead. Otherwise I'd think about retiring. <laughs> I'm sure that you would. Um, you heard me speak about Kelsey Parks, but to have her on your team, she's been a terrific team member, hasn't she? She has. I I have several nurse practitioners and they've uh, all added tremendous uh lead to the what we're able to provide that's been a real nice evolution in the medical arena incidentally where you, for, for 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 so long you didn't have pas but now pas are incredibly well trained aren't they they are and uh you know it allows us to to provide a service to more patients i mean a lot of what they do don't necessarily require my direct input but i'm always available to them um so I think it provides a great service. Well, listen, uh, I, I, let me uh, publicly thank you for for helping me. E- ease in my mind as I kind of sort through the situation, and uh, I've uh, I've I've you know kind of stepped it up even more to try to take care of myself. But you know, there's there are a lot of there are a lot of gremlins that can get you as you get older. That's for sure. But but being focused on staying healthy and staying active, uh, you know, eating well not drinking too much these are all you know important things aren't they yes absolutely so uh, one last thing before we go uh, tell me about your cardiac your the, the mds that are in your practice you know what what kind of specialties do they have well uh dr rizik and i are, are the interventional cardiologists meaning we do uh stents and uh uh, put in pacemakers and uh, defibrillators. And Dr. Uh, Libby's is a uh, non-invasive uh, cardiologist that uh, does non-invasive studies such as echoes and uh, ultrasounds. Uh, and we all see patients uh, daily. Well, unfortunately, as you pointed out in Mississippi, we're in no shortage of uh, heart issues to deal with. Uh, I would say our diets and our history probably doesn't doesn't weigh well on us over time. But hey, listen, Dr. Mullins, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure to spend some time with you today. Well, thank you for inviting me. You, you bet, you bet. This has been Dr. Paul Mullen, my cardiologist. Hey, when we come back, we have Jeff Duncan who's going to talk to us about the first game against Atlanta Falcons coming up this weekend. We'll see you after this break. for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.